morning, everyone. Uh, it's a real privilege to um, just uh, share God's heart with you this morning. My, my name is Sam. I'm one of the elders here at Kings. I'll be sharing with my lovely wife, Claire, uh, this morning. But before then, just a quick word. I thought God kind of like just laid on my heart. It's a, it's a verse from John's Gospel. It's from John chapter 6, verse 35. And it says there, Jesus speaking, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not hunger or will not go hungry. And whoever believes in me will not thirst. And I think that verse simply or there, Jesus just was implying the fact that if we believe in him, then basically drinking and eating from all that he is, is what he calls us to do. For everyone who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, he calls you to eat and to drink from all that he is. Jesus as God's son, Jesus as forgiver of sins, Jesus as healer, Jesus as sustainer, Jesus as food for our souls. If we believe in him, then he calls us to eat and to drink from all that he is. Jesus is indeed the bread of life. That wasn't part of my preach anyway. Where are we starting this morning? This morning we want to share with you, we're continuing our preach series on the kingdom of God. And Claire and I will be sharing about the kingdom of God and family. Um, just to, are you going to try and then help put things into context for us about family? We're going on to family first. So my bit is to define what is family. So family is a unit created by God for human flourishing. God has designed family as the first source of spiritual training and preparation for life. Families are God's idea. Um, but I just want to pause here for a moment because I'm aware that some of our examples today, in fact, a few of them, are going to be from our family. So we're married and we've got two children, and so we'll be giving you examples from there. But actually, God's idea of family is far, far bigger. When we have the baby Thanksgiving services, we ask you all to stand and commit as God's family to contribute to raising the children in the church. And so actually, we are family together. So it doesn't matter whether you have physical family in the room, whether you've got spiritual family in the room, whether you've got grandchildren, nephews, nieces. There's quite a few of us who are all kind of interrelated in funny old ways that I'm still discovering. Um, but actually, we are all family together. So I just don't want any of you to discount yourself and think, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm single, or I'm this, or I'm that. So it, it doesn't apply to me. It really does because you are part of God's family. And so this is all for us. I was going to go on to and the kingdom of God, basically, just in case we're forgetting, is to do with the rule and the reign of God. It is not about a place. It's to do with God's government in the lives of his people. We can also define the kingdom of God as the will of God expressed in the lives of his people. So, in the very beginning of the Bible, in Genesis, uh, God says this, Genesis 1, verse 26, 28. I think it will come up, yeah. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, 
and over the birds of the heaven and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God made man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This was the first family made by God, called by God, commissioned by God. His plan for this family was that they would be his image on the earth. God wanted to fill the earth with worshippers. He told them, go forward, uh, go forth, be fruitful, fill the earth and multiply. But somewhere along the way, man decided, I don't want to do it God's way anymore. I want to do it my way. And so we discover that even after man fell into sin, God still continued his plans of actually building family and even spoke prophetically uh, of the salvation that would come through the seed of the woman. Later after the flood, God will start all over again. So even though Adam and Eve failed miserably, God started again with Noah and his sons. And so in Genesis chapter 9, Verses 1 and 2, we read this. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea. Into your hand they are delivered. God continued his plans for Abraham. Again, after it, it went pretty bad with Noah and his sons, in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, we read, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I would show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So from these verses, we discover that the family or family is meant to serve as the first channel of God's blessing and revelation. A place where God can establish direct contact in seeking to build relationship with each member. And ultimately, if there are children in that family, God wants to seek to connect with them as well. This verse introduces the concept that the ultimate purpose of a believing family is to be blessed and ultimately be a blessing to other families in the earth. God has a grand eternal purpose and a life-giving ministry for every family here in this place, God has a plan for your family because his intention is that every family should in some way be a blessing to other families. In Genesis 18, 19, God says it again. He reiterates it. He really wants us to hear this. For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. God's call to us is that we pass on the knowledge of God, that we pass on the knowledge of God's ways, that we don't stop talking about it, 
Proverbs 22.6 says, train the child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he won't depart from it. I wonder how many of you can recite for me a song you learned in childhood or a story that you told. Actually, the things that we learned very young, they stay with us. Sometimes it's a smell or a picture that you, you kind of transports you right back to that place. Those memories can be really strong, and it's exactly the same. There's a, you know, I think God designed that so that he, can, he uses it for his glory. You know, I remember the kids' songs we sang in church. I remember the stories in the Bible. I can tell you about the pictures. You know, it, goes, it goes deep down. The family is created by God to fulfill God's purpose of being blessed and in turn be a blessing. We're going to pause here for a video. Hi, we're Joe and Andy Garlic, and we're parents to four grown-up children and ten, soon to be eleven, small grandchildren, aged from one to seven. Sam's asked us how Jesus helps us to be grandparents to all those children. To start with, we just fully accept that it's a real blessing and privilege and responsibility um, to be part of looking after a, a larger family. Um, it's, it's tough at times. But boy, is it rewarding. So one thing I try and do each day is to pray for the grandchildren. I'll do that as I walk down to work. I pray that God will grow them into strong men and women of God, that he will bless them and develop them, and that he will be preparing a spouse for each of them. And we certainly try to bring Jesus into their lives in other ways too. I mean, sometimes it might be a Bible story or simply trying to ask, answer their questions as honestly as we can do. But most of the time, it's just about enjoying time being with them. Just, just sharing the life together. It's great. Because we live near all of them, we try to be a practical helping hand when we can. So we'll babysit, do occasional sleepovers. We will childmind for when parents are working. We'll even do things like take them out for the day or take washing if there's a lot of washing has built up. Yeah, it's great. And... With regard to the children themselves, we actually acknowledge that Jesus was on this earth to be amongst his people. God came down amongst his people. And we tried to get literally do that. Well, get down on the floor, play with the kids, uh, talk to them at their level, ask about their lives, um, share in their silliness, and, uh, and also just uh, be a, a real safe place of belonging for them. One thing we think is really important is to be a family base. So we will try to gather together as a family on Sunday. Now that's a bit of an epic, because mm. that can be 10 small children and 10 adults. So that means a lot of planning, preparation, um, moving furniture, um, a lot of cooking, a lot of clearing up afterwards, and putting the house back together when they've gone. But we feel that's really important that we can all gather together and be family together. Yeah, absolutely. And at the end of the day, we see is that we're part of a relay race. Uh, we've done our leg and still doing it. And we're handing over the baton to those of a younger generation. And that means spending time with them, carefully handing that over, and just being an absolute positive influence for Jesus and for them for life and equipping them in the future. Thanks, Joe and Andy. I like the idea of them handing over the button to the next uh, generation. If you ask me, Sam, what are your, your dreams for your two boys? To be very honest, I want to see them grow up to be quality men. 
I want to see them grow up to be men who love Jesus with all their hearts. I want to see them to grow up to be men of integrity. I want to see them grow up to be men who would love their spouses and care for them. I want to see them grow up to be men who would pass on their knowledge of Jesus to their children as well. That's, that's what I want for both our sons. Hopefully you, you want that as well. Praise the Lord. I think my wife does as well. Just, we looked at some amazing promises from the Old Testament. God speaking to Abraham and to Noah and to all. But how, how do those promises from the Old apply to us today? Well, we're, we're living in a completely different dispensation. We've put our faith in the Lord Jesus. How do these promises apply to us? Well, Paul helps us in the book of Galatians. In Galatians chapter 3 verse 9, Paul says, chapter 3 verse 29, sorry, Paul says to us, and if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, as according to the promise. So God's promise to Abraham, I will bless you and make you a blessing, applies to you if you have believed in the Lord Jesus. So every one of those promises apply to us today as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. So this prophecy or this promise that we've been talking about, this responsibility to be a blessing and then to, to bless the families of the world applies to your family and your family and your family and your family if you are a believing family or if you are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Through faith in him, every believing family on earth today inherits the promises that God spoke to Abraham. So where do we start? We start with seeking to raise a godly generation. <clears throat> In Judges 2, <clears throat> I'm going to read from verse 8. Yeah, thank you. Um, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years. And they buried him. And then I'm going to skip to 10. And all that generation were also gathered to their father. So Joshua and all of his generation, all of his age group, all died. Listen to this. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. That's pretty shocking, isn't it? This is Joshua. Joshua who marched around Jericho seven times and it all came tumbling down. Joshua who was commended for his faith with Caleb because they went ahead with the other ten spies, but they believed that God was bigger than the giants in the land. Joshua who led the nation of Israel after Moses... Joshua didn't hand on the knowledge of Jesus. He didn't hand on what God had done. They failed miserably at this assignment from God. Moses, interestingly, didn't end well, but Joshua followed him. An amazing generation. Joshua ended really well, but didn't seem to be able to hand it on. Now, in, hang on a sec. Sorry, I should have reprinted the notes with the bits that we wanted to add in it. Um, in Psalm 78, verses uh, 2 to 4, it says, I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from old, things that we have heard and known, that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from our children, 
but to tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. It's repeated in Psalm 145 verse 4. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. It's pretty clear. We have a responsibility to talk. Praise the Lord. We have a responsibility to talk about who God is and what he has done and to tell the next generation after us. And that is our responsibility. That is what we have to do. I just want to say here that it's the responsibility of the children what they do with that information. So it's their responsibility. They get to choose whether they follow Jesus or not. They get to choose whether they listen or not. They get to choose whether they take on that truth or not. We've got to talk. We've got to say it again and again. I, I found that particular verse rather shocking. It says, a whole generation did not know God or what he had done. Now that is, like Claire said, that is really serious. Just consider the generation after your generation. No knowledge of God. No knowledge at all of what God has done. And if we are not those who are faithful with passing on the truths of God, we risk raising a generation that has no clue who God is or what God has done. Hence, our seeking to just share heart with you this morning. God calls every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you may have biological children, yes. Even those of you who do not have, you've got nieces and nephews. You are part of families. God calls us to be faithful in seeking to pass on the knowledge of who he is to the generations after us. Throughout the ages, God's desire has always been for parents to raise up children to know him and to love him. Uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 to 7, we, we just we discover that God, God tells the people of Israel to keep his commands in their hearts. He also says to them, teach your children diligently. He uses the word diligent. Let's be diligent in teaching our children truths about God, about who God is and what God has done. We, we need to make sure that we're seeking to raise a godly generation, a generation that loves God, a generation that is on fire for God. If God has saved you, if God has brought you into the, his family, he calls you to pass on that experience to the next uh, generation as well. Let's not leave the raising of our children to a society that has turned its back on God. We have got to stand in the gap for our children, for our grandchildren, for our nieces, for our nephews, for our brothers, for our sisters, for our grandparents. We who have come to taste the mercy of God should stand in the gap for those who do not as yet know God. I dare say we shouldn't even leave this to the children's workers or the youth leaders. It is primarily our responsibility as parents. And those here who are saying, well, I'm not yet a parent, when you become a parent, 
it becomes your primary responsibility to stand in the gap and seek to, with the help of the Holy Spirit, raise a godly generation. Children who love God and children who are full of integrity and truth. Do you know what happens when we do that? Because you see, when those children grow up and find themselves in different workplaces, they transform that place. They transform communities. They transform their respective environments. They transform towns. They transform cities. They eventually find themselves in government. They transform nations if they are godly and they love God. Praise God for that. Can I jump in? Um, so it might not be that... Are you thank allowed you. to? Yes, I am. It might not be that they're you know, particularly evangelistic. It's just who they are. It's being salt and light. Um, just earlier today, I was uh, told a report about John Wales. Sorry about this, John. Um, but Tony and Judy have told John about God. They told John about what God has done. And as a result, and, you know, a lot of stuff that God has done too, John's life has been changed. And when John used to play football when he was young and fit and little, uh, he... <laughs> I love you, John, a lot. The team was blessed because he was there. Someone said to him, you know, when you play on these teams, the teams do better. They play better because you're there. I don't know what you do, but they play better. And you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of Moses talking to Jethro and saying, come with us, we'll do you good. Just come and be with us. We are God's people. We have the living God in us, working through us, the Holy Spirit empowering us. Come with us. Spend time with us. We will do you good. I'm done now. Okay, next video. Hello, my name's Michelle and I've been part of this church for over 30 years. I grew up here with my mum and dad and my five brothers and sisters. Now I am a single mum. I have the immense privilege of being a mum to the most amazing 13-year-old son who many of you will know. And I haven't been the most perfect mum so far, I haven't always set the best example. However, I have tried to raise my son the best I can in the Lord. I believe it's the parent's responsibility first and foremost to train a child in the way they should go. So when my son is older, my prayer is that I would have raised a man who is secure in his identity in Christ. I hope that he will love God, love people, will use his gifts, and that amazing brain of his to bless others and give God glory. I pray that he will be like David, who is after God's own heart. In our home, where it's just myself and my son living, I hope that I have been able to teach him how to pray, spend time with God and live right. My son and I, were both very musical, so we often have worship sessions together. Sometimes we pray together. I hope that we have lived a life where we are living by faith and we've loved people and served our local church. God has blessed us in so many ways and I truly believe that we are blessed so we can be a blessing to others. So that's what we try and do in our talents, in our home, our, our finances, our car, our knowledge. So the first thing was that we are seeking to raise a godly generation. The second thing is our call to mission. 
Matthew 28 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus calls us to make disciples of our own families. So discipleship for my children is my primary responsibility as a parent. It is not anybody else's responsibility. Parents should take the lead in the discipling of their children. Could our families possibly become discipleship grounds or discipleship contexts where we seek to see God's kingdom rule and reign? You see, God has always wanted the same thing from the very beginning. We read that verse from Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 28. He wants the earth filled with worshippers. With this in mind, we can see that God's first instruction in the very first book in Genesis is echoed here in Matthew uh, chapter 28. And so in Genesis chapter 21, sorry, chapter 1 verse 28, God says, be fruitful and multiply. In Matthew 28, it says, make disciples. In Genesis 1 verse 28, God says, Fill the earth. In Matthew, it says, of all nations. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, God says, subdue it. And in Matthew, it says, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. We're going to pause here for the final video, and then we'll finish off. Hi, I'm Will. I'm Paris, and we have three beautiful children. Sam asked us today to share how our faith in Jesus shapes how we do life with our children. Before we share some practical advice, we want to emphasise that we have by no means got this figured out. We still have so much to grow in this area. In fact, anything good we share today has come from wiser church members and parents who are way further along their journey than us. After we had our first baby, I felt so out of depth as a new father. I met with a friend to ask how he led his household in a Christ-like way. His advice was to show your children that you completely depend on Christ for everything. An example of this is praying for the small things as well as the big things. Yeah, another obvious way of pointing our kids to Jesus is by reading the Bible with our kids. We began this by reading the Bible as a bedtime story to send them to sleep. How wrong we were. There is exciting stuff in there. Our Bible time in the evening is not a sit in silence kind of bedtime story. It's interactive, exciting, and an amazing opportunity for our kids to ask us big questions. Encouraging our children to engage with God in the everyday, talk about Jesus as a real person who is present and is there and cares for them. Yeah, and worshipping together often, even if it's playing worship music. Often we do it in the car together. Um, our kids love music, and this can be a really simple but powerful way for them to learn truths about and connect with God. Great. To just finish off, just to say that at the heart of the advance of the gospel is the call to parents to impress the hearts of their children with the love of God for his word. The mission to advance the kingdom of God and to teach the next generation is one which God calls every believing family to. Some practical ways by which we can do this quickly, five ways. Uh, number one, as families, let's make all of life God-saturated. What I mean by that is God is not just a Sunday God. God is not just 
a God we reach out to when we're in trouble. On a Monday, on a Tuesday, on a Wednesday, on a Thursday, on a Friday, we do life with God. At the school gate, we do life with God. At the dinner table, we do life with God. When we're sitting down to watch TV, we're doing life with God. So all of life, God says to us, should be God-saturated, not just for Sunday mornings. If we're going to help raise a generation that loves God, we've got to teach them that all of life has got to be God-saturated. This is where I found knowing the Bible really helps because the kids will ask, well, why do we do it like that? So-and-so does this. And actually, my answer is always going back to the Bible. The Bible says this. We're trying to follow Jesus. This is what he says. And that's always been really helpful. Uh, I want to talk about number two, praying. Um, we pray with our kids, for our kids, in lots of different ways. And I think that's really good. So we pray with them. There'll be times where maybe I'll say something to God and then they'll say something to God. Um, there'll be times when uh, we pray for them. So I don't know, they come and say they're feeling sick. So we immediately pray that Jesus will heal them. That's our, our default, our knee-jerk reaction as such. Um, but we also will pray for them when they're not there. We'll intercede for them. We will pray in far longer prayers and maybe pray about things that are maybe they're not ready to hear about yet. Uh, we'll be praying for them. Sam does that a lot, actually, when they're asleep. Um, but also, and I think this is really key, is that we teach our children how to connect with Jesus on their own. They should never be using us as a high priest. They shouldn't be going through us to get to Jesus. We need to show them how they connect to Jesus on their own. And if you want to hear more about this, please come and speak to one of the kids' group leaders because we've been doing some training on it recently. And with our kids, we, we talk to them about chatting to God. Because if you ask them about praying, they need to sit still. They have to say amen. They can't fart, which they do a lot. They can't wiggle. You know, they, they need to concentrate. They need to be quiet so we can hear what everybody's saying. But if you talk about chatting to God, well, that's completely different. That's like chatting to a friend. And actually, we want to grow our, we want to, our children to grow up knowing that they can talk to God anywhere, everywhere, about anything at any time. Um, and then we talk about catching, that actually they can catch from God. So he will, they, I, want, I want our boys to expect God to talk back. We don't have a silent God, do we? And actually, with their attention span, I'm very grateful that he can respond in 30 seconds. <laughs> but actually, sometimes that's all we need. You know, a moment with God, and you're sorted for the day. Like, he's just nailed it. He's completely nailed what you need at that time. And it's teaching our children. They don't have to come to us, but they can reach to God just for themselves and receive from him. Thirdly, we want to demonstrate the importance of the Bible, the fact that all of Scripture is God-breathed. God has effectively inspired every word in the Bible. We want to highlight the importance of God's word in the life of our family or your family. And I think that our kids need to know that, that the Bible is the final go-to place when it comes to effectively teaching them about life. Four, we also want to be living examples of faith. And I'll just share a quick example and then Claire would finish off with the last one. I remember a few years back we were, God said to us he was going to give us a house. Um, and uh, we'd found, in fact, one of our friends had found this flat and said, well, Sam and Claire, I think, I think you should go for this flat. We didn't, have, we didn't have the money for it, but felt God was like really leading us on this journey. So we took the boys along with us. And I remember often we would drive past this flat that we were hoping God would give us. And I would foolishly say to the boys, Look, boys, it was more faith, but sometimes I think, what have I just done? I'd say to the boys, look, boys, God is going to give us that flat. And they'd look and go, oh, well, exciting. Well, we don't have it yet. 
But every time we drove past, I'd say to them, boys, look, there's our house. There was just this real sense in my heart that God was going to do it. And I felt there was a need to take the boys on the journey. The next thing was that when we drove past, I didn't have to say it. They went, oh, dad, that's going to be our house. And I went, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, well, praise God, that is our current home. You know, and it was a journey with God, but with the boys as well, you know, a journey of faith. It shouldn't just be for the parents, take the kids with you in the highs, but also in the lows. Yeah. And finally, being joyous. This sometimes is a real challenge. Um, and sometimes you don't have the right emotion with you uh, to express joy. And we can sometimes make a decision and say, no, I'm choosing joy. I'm choosing to find joy in my family and in this particular moment. Um, but actually, there are also times when life's just not that simple. And actually, the sorrows are greater and the difficulties are greater. And I'm encouraged that Jesus was a man of sorrows but he's also described as being anointed with joy. He managed to hold that tension. And we may have a present which is incredibly painful and very sorrowful, but we know our eternity is going to be indescribable joy. And so we live with that tension. So I do believe even in the deepest sorrow, we can experience joy and we can pass on that joy uh, to our children. I would like to pray for you as we finish. Shall we just stand together and then we'll just, yeah, we just want to pray for you. Um, yeah. yeah, Father, I just, I thank you for the gift of family. I thank you first and foremost for spiritual sons and daughters. Thank you for men, women, children who have come to know you. Uh, Jesus, I also want to thank you for uh, just a family in the sense of, Father Lord, people you've brought together to build life together. And I... I thank you, Father God, for this vision uh, that you have spoken over families, that we will be a blessing. And um, Father, we'll be blessed and be a blessing to other families. I pray uh, that today in this place, Lord, you will uh, just refresh us again, that we will catch this vision in a fresh and in a living way. I want to thank you, Father, for your faithfulness and your commitment to Every single family represented in this place, husbands, wives, Father Lord, single dads, single moms, brothers, sisters, grandmas, grandpas, cousins, nephews, nieces represented here. And I pray a blessing on every single one of us, but also just fresh grace and strength to begin to, Father Lord, just dig deep at seeking to raise a generation that reflects you in every way. We do not want to end up like Joshua's generation who completely failed miserably at raising a generation that knew you or the things you had done. We want to be those who, in our time and in our day, commit to actually raising a generation of men and women who will love you, children who will love you and live for you. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you come alongside us and you help us. So I pray strength and grace for grandparents. 
I pray strength and grace for parents. I pray strength and grace for moms and dads. I pray strength and grace for spiritual moms and spiritual dads. I pray strength and grace for our children. We want to see a children, a generation that says we are for Jesus. A generation that will transform communities. A generation that will transform nations. A generation that will take this world by storm and bring the kingdom of God in. We thank you. And all God's people shall say, Amen. God richly bless you.